As you'll hear, Christina is a natural in the podcasting business, even though this is her first ever effort, and most definitely not the last, thankfully. And despite speaking in her second language, she conveys her character brilliantly through her choice of words. When I first met Christina, she had just made team leader at an international recruitment company, and she was very excited to be working with other team leaders who had been in their positions for many years. My task of assisting them in developing their English language skills did not require anything beyond that, though of course I do tend to meander through various other topics of social and business importance. Yet even I have the ability, beyond my mundane tasks, to identify confidence, wit and intelligence in people. And Christina exhibited all in abundance, from the very first hello. That she has gone on to set up a recruiting company and to run it herself comes as no surprise. I have been very fortunate to not only meet many wonderful people on the way, but I've also been lucky in that the vast majority of the people I have worked with have been professional, respectful, and keen to learn. Christina is in the very top bracket of those people. Thank you, Christina, for your time, and I look forward, indeed, to our next chat. I'm joined today by Christina, who is a recruiter in the pharmaceutical industry, Um, and I've had the pleasure of um, having met Christina a number of years ago, and it's wonderful that you are still willing to communicate with me. Um, Christina, welcome. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Because we kind of um, we worked together. What's about eight years ago, more yeah, or less? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, ten years ago. I think it was ten years, nine years ago. It's yeah, amazing. it's been a the long time. time. Flies, yeah. My, my word. Anyway, um, but okay, you're you're still doing what um, what you do. I'm kind of still doing what I did. Um, and but yeah, talk to me a bit more because you sort of changed a little bit from where you were and you sort of specialized further into sort of pharmaceutical recruiting. Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct to make that observation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, Zach, you and I, we met in a big uh, recruitment company here in Berlin. Um, and I started there as a consultant and recruiter um, after after university. And yeah, became a leader, a department manager in, in this business. And um, yeah, so I did this for many, many years. Um, there was no specification or focus, um, like how should I say, in the area or let's say a general area of focus was um, recruiting for industry, for the industry, um, engineering industry. And uh, then, yeah, then I decided to start my own business and to focus like 100% on the uh, life sciences industry. And this is what I have been doing for the last three years. So I'm a founder and managing director of Ankos Chappi Consulting, uh, my own company. And I've been doing this with a um, business partner, a friend of mine, yeah, for the last three years. Okay, well, I mean, first of all, Congratulations. It's fantastic that you would be, you know, it's an adventure, right? I mean, it's a big risk and you've jumped into that. Um, but could you, before we get to that bit, because it's that's mm-hmm. a huge step. I mean, it's, it's something that um, I'm not sure I'd be brave enough to do. Um, but can you tell me when you talk about life sciences, um, can you give me a bit more detail into that? Because I'm not sure that uh, I would mm-hmm. completely understand. Okay, so uh, we fill management positions for the pharmaceutical industry, let's say pharmaceutical industry. So our clients are um, producers of um, 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 of pharmaceutical products 
or vaccines or all the things that make us healthy. <laughs> Let's say that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> or that right. keep us healthy. <laughs> okay. And this is hence life science. Okay. So that's yeah, the life sciences could be um, the pharmaceutical area or the biotech area or uh, the medical device area. So okay. these are three different branches in the in the um, life sciences industry in general. Okay. And what was it in particular that interested you as in you you've, to, to focus so specifically on this kind of area? There must have been some sort of background motivation for you. Mm-hmm. So I would say, um, first of all, I mean, the um, the industry does something that I think is one of the main improvements in in society. So they help us to keep um, healthy or to become healthy. Um, this is one thing, but also um, um, it's a highly academic area of science, and this is what I like to. Uh, I like people that uh, work in this uh, kind of area. So um, this was another motivation, and the third motivation was that it's a it's an industry that is um, a quite stable. You're out there fighting sharks um, sometimes, like it's not all mm. the time. It's not mm-hmm. a complete, all the time, uh, yeah. It, it is, yeah. It's, is it yeah. very aggressive? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, recruitment, the recruitment job market in general, uh, sometimes clients tell me, ah, you're working in a shark pool, Christine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So shark's definitely the term for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you've always come across as somebody who's... Um, yeah, empathetic. You are. You are. You don't come across as a sort of typical recruiter in the sense that you don't have that aggressive characteristic. You don't have the everything for money drive. Um, and, and I do recall people who worked with you, but also within your team that you were managing. Um, they always spoke very positively and highly about you know the way that you communicated. You're. you're mm-hmm. You know, it's a very overused term and some people don't necessarily appreciate it, but you're a very nice person is the way that you come across. Yeah? And that's, oh, thank you. But that's also what p- people who know you much better than I have said, is if they, you've always been approachable, uh, somebody mm-hmm. that if they had a problem, they could come to you and they could expect you to be understanding of that. Um, how, how does that fit in with such a potentially aggressive industry? Maybe it's the exception of the rule. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think in, in every industry, you know, there are uh, nice people and not so nice people. And I have never thought about it when I when I started, like back in 2009. I I, I never thought that the uh, recruitment industry um, is a shark pool. You know, sometimes you you can feel it, you can see it, you can you uh, yeah you have. <laughs> You meet some sharks, but it's an exaggeration. So, um, um, maybe you 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 could say that in businesses um, or in sales in general. I mean, the recruitment industry is um, basically sales. So, and says so there's always a lot of competition, and this attracts people who are highly competitive. And um, yeah, maybe this goes with less em- empathy. I don't know. So it attracts a certain uh, type of uh, character, but I wouldn't say that in general. So I have met in the in the in in the business a lot of super nice people, like my team members, for example, and other people from my other company. Um, yeah, but as in every uh, industry, there are also sharks. Absolutely. Um, now, there are going to be lots of questions that spring to my mind. So I'm going to perhaps be, uh, you know, in, in some ways, this is an improvised uh, conversation, even though we've got our topics. But um, as a team leader or manager, um, clearly you have certain uh, goals, as in budgetary goals or targets mm-hmm. that you need to achieve. Mm-hmm. However, being the person that you are, would you say that you were more drawn towards people who you liked or people who you thought would reach the targets you set them? As in, what was more important to you? Or is there some way of mixing the mm-hmm. two? 
I think both is, is important. Um, I, I've always wanted to do my best and that my team members could do um, the best um, in their jobs. And it was always or still is important to me to reach my goals, you know. Um, and I think that it is possible to do that with nice people, with good people that I like and who have the competencies and the drive to um, to go for it. Mm. And, and do you feel it's your role, for example, as a manager, that when you see somebody who you like, you think they have potential, but they're not quite hitting the level. Um, do you put time aside to train them up, to, to help them through difficult moments? Are you supportive or are you the kind of person to turn around and say, hey, you're going to be out on the street if you're not careful? I mean, what's your approach? No, I think that's the core of a leader, of a true leader to train people Um yeah, to train people, to give them support, because when you start in a new role, in a new position, you, you have always to get um, adopted, you know, to, to get adapted, to get used to it, um, to, yeah, to, to know the job, to get into the job, and um, you need support. Uh, I mean, this is also what I um, got during my training time my first job and um, this is also what I love about being a leader you know to see um, that you can um, you can develop a person into like a high performer almost out of nothing mm. so yeah. yeah, which I guess must also give you a lot of um, not just reassurance, but a sort of a sense of satisfaction because you can you can look at somebody and see how they've developed into the person that they have become. And you could say, I helped with that process. Yes, yes. This is something that I that I love. I mean, to, to see how um, employees, team members develop, how they uh, become, yeah, a uh, yeah, a, a good, a great employee, and how they um, how they they become happy in their jobs because uh, at the beginning everything is new. You're unsecure. You're not sh sure about um, about your yeah your your path or your development. And it's really nice to see that people succeed and that they are happy in what they do. Mm. And I mean, human resources traditionally is uh, is like a sector or or a department where which is people they say hiring and firing, but that's uh, it's that's not the way it is anymore. And um, companies have got uh, a very dynamic department. Some people call it uh, people and culture. Some people refer to it as um, you know, I suppose some other kind of training uh, uh, department. Mm -hmm. Does this development make it easier for you? to create relationships within your, your the companies with whom you work? I mean, our job is to provide candidates, employees for the future, future company, and um, HR, like talent development department is something when the, yeah, so we have, actually, we have no contact with this, with the talent um, development department. It's about talent acquisition. Is there a greater emphasis on experience and soft skills, basically? Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, what has changed is that um, if you want to, uh, if you want that employees stay over a longer period of time in your company, you have to figure out what is your vision as a as a as a company your uh, a culture your way you want to work together and does this fit to the values of the candidates like hard skills um, qualification competences is only one one part of um, fitting together the other parts which are more and more important um, nowadays, because candidates, you know, there's a candidate market, so the candidates choose what kind of job they want to, um, in what kind of job they want to work or in what kind of uh, culture, uh, business environment they want to work. So it is super important to evaluate if the, the values of the company and the way they want to work together fits with the values of the candidate. Okay. Even more um, than, than skills, hard skills, yes. Mm. 
And do you think companies are becoming more transparent with regards to uh, their own culture? Uh, because is it kind of advertising for them as well? Yes. Isn't it? Yes, but um, they do it because the candidate market asks for it. Ah. So, yeah, to be attractive for candidates, they had to change, you know, otherwise, yeah, nobody is interested in your company. If you um, don't show um, who you are as a company, um, what values you have, what vision or, yeah, and what you offer to to the candidates. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not going to mention any names. I, I guess you're referring to s perhaps smaller companies which uh, are not household names, which not everybody knows about. But there are some larger organizations that have become known um, for uh, you know, some practices which people don't necessarily agree with. Um, and there have been some high profile court cases and so on. Um, so is it that you're saying the individuals have increase their influence on the market because of yes. this? Yes, they have. I mean, um, companies are fighting for talents in a war of talent. It's really not just, an, just a saying. It is like this. I mean, it's not war, but it's, <laughs> it, it's similar to it because, I mean, the German uh, economy is uh, growing and growing and there are... Um, less and less um, like, uh, yeah, experts, uh, experts and uh, leaders. Um, so they are all competing for the same small amount. I mean, in comparison to, I don't know, many years before, there, the, the amount or the pool of candidates, it shrinks. Mm. So um, yeah, the power, the, the power of candidates um, has, become stronger over the mm. past years. Mm. And, and does that also have the effect, you no, know, the knock-on effect of pushing up wages within the sector too? Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah, this is also one thing, pushing mm. up, um, but only, you know, for academic people. We have another development um, that in the lower level expert jobs, <laughs> we have the, the other um, development that the wages, I mean, of course, we have a minimum wa wage now, which is super good, but still we have a, a big, um, in German, it's called Niedriglohnsektor, low wages sector, the biggest in Europe, actually. Um, and so this is the other development. Yeah, interesting. But on the academic level, wages have been rising. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of people tend to differentiate between sort of government work, so as in sort of public sector in that sense, um, and private sector. But then also there is the acad academia, so the academic element. And uh, in some cases, the, the reputation is that academics are not very competitive, um, that they tend to be very slow to move. Um, but this isn't always the case, is it? Um, sometimes academics can be extremely competitive and perhaps even even more so than in the private sector. Uh, yes, I think so. That um, that uh, the academic that yeah, academics are super competitive. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I I think I don't. I, I yeah, I don't know too much about it but i know that um yeah uh, to do your phd or to become become a professor it's all about you know um um releasing articles releasing books and um or getting uh, getting a job in the academia i mean there are not that there, there there are only a few jobs and always like um temporary um temporary contract and until you get a um, professor, it's called in German professor. I don't know the, the Profe professorship, I guess. Yeah, professorship or so. So um, yeah, the the system is uh, or forces you to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many different elements that we could branch um, out to from from this conversation. But I'm hopeful that in future talks that we can sort of focus on some of these specific elements. I'm really interested in, uh, for example, the sort of 
the racial side to this argument and whether or not there is sort of discrimination within academia also that you have perhaps seen in, in Germany on the basis of race or gender or sexuality or age, um, because it's very prevalent in other areas. But um, <coughs> maybe this is something we can come back to um, in another chat, uh, mm -hmm. because um, I, I also want to focus on some of your um, your, your experiences and your developments um, and also some of the fantastic stuff that you're doing because um, so another part which is not necessarily directly connected to your 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 work or the company that you have formed uh, you also do mentoring um, mm -hmm. is, is that correct to say it's not directly connected or is it actually also a part of what you do no it's not directly uh, connect connected um, so yeah, I I am a vol I volunteer. Mm. Uh, it's a volunteer mentoring, mm. um, and I help uh, women like women women in leadership position to um, to achieve their next career goals. Yeah, and to form their career to help yeah to to find the direction they want to go. Mm. Okay, um, a, a thoroughly interesting topic, which I, I love talking about, because for me, uh, gender equality is is one of the you know the big uh, topics I think that uh, humanity faces today that it has to get a uh, you know a hold of properly, um, a handle on, and uh, to try to improve its cons its considerable damage to society up until now. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you're doing this kind of mentoring suggests mm -hmm. to me that there are women in senior positions and they're still not satisfied, which mm -hmm. is cool. They want more. Um, mm -hmm. and, and this tells me that there is a lot of positive forward movement um, among women um, and other genders in these kinds of sort of scientific, uh, mathematical, technical, engineering mm -hmm. sectors. Is, is that fair yes. to say? Yes, uh, that's absolutely correct. And um, yeah, I, the the women's network that I've been doing this uh, mentoring program, uh, they have started their network. It's called um, Healthcare Women Network, like almost 15 years ago. And now it's, I mean, it's growing from month to month. It's growing. And so I think uh, what has happened in the last uh, few years, maybe like five years or so, with the Me Too, um, Me Too um, situation or development, so a lot of things are going on, and women know that um, they are capable of doing great jobs, but they need um, to build the structures and to support themselves to get into the positions because, yeah, the structures don't allow them to get into these positions they would like to to be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the term glass ceiling is, is very well known. Um, yeah. There are other terms, for example, allies, where you have um, traditionally men who act uh, as support elements for helping uh, women to develop mm -hmm. their careers. Uh, unfortunately, there is this... Uh, uh, you know, aspect where you have a person who declares himself as an ally, uh, but mm. actually, uh, you know, the, the work seems to just go around in circles and there's no mm. real forward sort of propulsion. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, how difficult do you find it combating this very you know, paternalistic system? And uh, because in in your job you have to be very neutral and professional, and um, you know you cannot in yourself discriminate against men and so on. Um, mm -hmm. But there is clearly a need to you know raise the profile of women to reach equality because it's mm -hmm. we're still not there. Uh, yeah. How hard is that for you to do? <clears throat> Um, what do you mean? How hard is it for me to do? What exactly do you mean? What uh, in, in, in the perspective that to push forward this need to promote women, um, um, even though maybe a candidate says, yeah, I, can I have more men? I'm sorry, a client mm. says, can I have more mm. male candidates? And you say, mm. yeah, but you ask me for the best candidate <laughs> and they're women. Yeah. So deal <laughs> with it. I mean, how hard is it for you to say that to somebody, for example? <sighs> 
uh, it's it's difficult to say that to be to be honest um, in in my position. So, um, and I think that yeah. Um, I don't want to get you into no trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. There is no sense in discussing things like this with with uh, people who have this mindset that they had for like 20, 30 years. And is it and it it is not my mm, task to do that in my professional life every day to to fight um, fights that that I cannot that I cannot win. So I think uh, um, it um, it is better to put my effort in things that I can change, and um, that is to support women to um, talk with men who have not this strict mindset about women you know um, and uh, to make, to do this in daily life I mean I'm talking almost every day about inequality gender inequality with uh, my uh, male friends with my partner with my family and not only with male, also with female um, female yeah friends and uh, clients business partners because also female support this patriarch patriarchal um, system so um, but you you need to know where it's worth to go into a fight and where it's not worth to go into a fight yeah absolutely um, on a personal note do you find it more surprising that um, sexism and misogyny still exists? Um, or do you find it more surprising that there are still so many um, women who accept it? What, what for you is the most surprising? Or is it that you just simply think both of them are surprising, but also, also understandable? I don't know if, if it's really surprise, surprising <laughs> sometimes of course I say oh my god I, I can't believe that we're still thinking that it's okay to um, discriminate women um, and that they have the um, the lower jobs uh, lower wages that they do all the care work at home and that we support this and um, but on the other hand uh, people um, get used to it, get used to the situation, and um, somehow they think um, that there is a reason for that. Uh, so they justify it. So maybe that is surprising in human nature that we justify injustice. Mm. We have to kind of try to explain it and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, they, this is also in some ways a phenomenon of um, women in relationships which are perhaps considered abusive and they take the role of it's my fault. You yeah. Know, or he didn't mean it. Um, mm. And this is very hard from what I have read. Of course, I have never experienced it myself, but from what I've read and from what I've seen, it's very hard to convince a person in this kind of a relationship it's not your fault. Yeah. Come mm. out, talk about it. There is help for you. I mean, uh, how difficult must it be um, you know, to be able to have that conversation with a person who does not want to accept they are being treated badly? Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I have like, I, I have so much understanding for um, these women that they cannot. Um, that they cannot um, turn off this kind of thinking, uh, destructive thinking. But before that, you know, it was like 20 years, 30 years or even more years of sociali socialization uh, where these or where we women were told um, that it is our fault if something happens, if some somebody is not nice to you or abuses us, you know, yeah always a woman's fault yeah yeah i've um yeah I, i'm familiar with a number of cases where um witnesses have come up and said yeah but you know look what she was wearing she asked for exactly. it she wanted it and so mm -hmm. on and, and this is also i think famously when mrs merkel came out and said you know no means no mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter what a person is wearing mm -hmm. 
or, or anything else. Um, do you think that message is finally getting through? No means no. Mm, no. <laughs> no, for um, it's super difficult to understand for, and I'm not judging right now. It's super mm. difficult for uh, for men to understand how, uh, in what kind of world women live and uh, what kind of experience they have every day. So, um, you, yeah, in, in uh, my experience, men don't re realize what all this in our system where we live in, what this means for women. And um, so, first of all, they know because they don't have this kind of experience themselves. So this is difficult to understand um, what's going on for, for another gender. Then, um, even though uh, the, all these things in society change uh, slowly but steadily, um, even though maybe you're not um, you're not thinking about it or you're not that interested in it or yeah stuff like this. So um, there is a yeah there is a need to um, you to talk face to face with men. Um, many, many times to explain the side of the woman. I, as an example of this, I remember speaking with a student um, and um, I always ask my students what their plans are for the weekend. And on this occasion, they asked me and I said, oh, I'm going to go for a run tonight after the game, after the football match. And one of my female students said, you go running at night on your own? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I, I can never get this question out of my mind because for mm -hmm. me, I, I mean, this only happened last year. You know, mm -hmm. for me, up until then, we're talking over 40 years, I had never considered it mm -hmm. remotely strange that I, why would I not want to go out running mm -hmm. on my own at night? Yeah. You know, it's exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a really good uh, example. And um, girls have this fear of going out during the night uh, since their teenage years or even before. So far, even, even then, the, they're yeah. aware. So you were aware, for example, at in your teens that perhaps it's dangerous to go out running at night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how must that have made you feel? I mean, I, you know, if, if, if you don't want to answer, absolutely don't worry about it. We'll move on. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, does, does that make you think, for example, that outside of your front door, um, the world is a dangerous place? Is it? How does that make you feel? Does that also affect your confidence? Because you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen outside <clears throat> this door. Mm -hmm. It's not only outside the door i mean um for most women um the danger is inside the door in in the circle of family and friends but we have always this uh picture of a stranger uh standing in the park and waiting for women um but actually um um the discrimination or the abuse or yeah all the facets of yeah um, um, of discrimination or I don't know how to say it, discrimination and abuse and rape and whatsoever um, all this happens in, in your close circle um, and you realize it um, first you, you don't know exactly uh, what's happening you know uh, it's, it's just weird that you're getting comments or that somebody um, uh, that somebody, um, yeah, um, uh, how should I say, um, treats you differently, or somebody wants to belittle you because you're a girl, or somebody touches you um, uh, the way you don't want to, or so. So these are all these the little things, and you're wondering, but you don't get it. What's what's going on? And then with the time you realize, ah, okay, this is because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a girl or I'm a woman and it's okay for boys and men to do that. 
this is so yeah it's okay for society it's okay that this happened every day and it doesn't have to be you know the stranger on the street or in the park who rapes you there are so many steps before that uh, yeah belittle w women and and, and uh, girls mm. can i say that belittle yes yeah. yes yeah. Un unfortunately you can um yeah I, I, and these sort of these mentoring groups um I, i can imagine sometimes they also become quite emotional um uh, uh, because I, when i talk about these things i become emotional and i haven't um, suffered from the, the things that you are referring to so i can imagine how somebody would feel who's really had to talk about this and deal with it and experience it almost all of their adult lives How hard is that for you to to communicate with these people when you you can see the pain in their eyes and you're trying to tell them, look, this is not your fault. Does it really complicate the process of mentoring them to say, go forward and get that position because you can do it? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when women are um, with themselves. You mm -hmm. know, in a group, so it's not that um, that you can see uh, or that we're um talking about all these things and almost crying or um yeah to um re relive or to um yeah relive all the situations where more like hey can you imagine um that this happened to me i mean it's more that we're um angry about it and that we say hey the i mean uh why does this still happen and I'm angry and I want to change it. And yeah, it's more like this. Of course, if someone's, um, if, if, uh, to, if, if something really, really bad happens, but uh, fortunately I, I haven't met a girl or a woman who has, um, who has, uh, erleben, experienced. Uh, yeah. Experienced like a real heavy abuse, you know, mm. it's more the little things, um, as I said, mentioned before that, uh, men think, um, that they can belittle um, women and this makes us more angry. And sometimes we're also laughing about it because, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, maybe, uh, yeah, even we, we sometimes say that we feel, uh, <laughs> But it, it, these men are poor, actually, you know. Mm. I mean, we feel sorry that they mm. behave like that. But unfortunately, they are, are in these uh, super powerful positions. Mm. Yeah. But they also get reputations, don't they? As in, for example, from what I've read, that there are, you know, if, if a man behaves in this way within the company, all the women very quickly know who that person is. Um, now, whether or not because there is this uh, sort of um, uh, sort of sisterhood style uh, background to that, be careful him, don't be alone with him, or, you know, and, and so on. Um, I don't know, but these reputations are do develop within an organization, but not necessarily outside of the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and maybe even within an organization. I mean, um, I don't know how long it takes that really someone who has uh, who has had a bad experience with a man talks with other women about because, uh, you know, you think that it's your fault. So I think it takes a, a, yeah, a period of time that the woman tells other women about it. Okay. So um, I don't know how big the... Um, Ice, ice mountain, or how do you say the ice iceberg on the <laughs> iceberg under yeah. the surface really is, and yeah, outside the organization nobody talks about that. That's that's true. Maybe within the organization, but outside, no. Mm, yeah, that's. Yeah. A, I guess that's a shame. I, I mean, there is this sense of loyalty, isn't there, that people don't want to talk too badly about their boss. But mm. I mean, since since Me Too. Um, Harvey Weinstein um, and also Jeffrey Epstein has there perhaps been a bit of a move now towards women being a bit more expressive a bit braver uh, I mean and by the way anybody who's experienced this is extremely brave because they yes. get up 
they get up and they go to work the next day. Mm -hmm. And I can't possibly uh, imagine how brave somebody has to be to go back into work and see the face of the people who they feel have abused them or disrespected them. So that is mm -hmm. extremely brave anyway. Um, but then there's this thing now that, oh, no, no, it's actually right to speak out because I don't want these bastards doing the same thing to other people. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you sense this change within these industries? I think that there is a change in that way that we're talking about it um, and that we're encouraging um, women to speak up, but I'm not sure um, I'm not sure if women really do it much more than before. The, the, uh, the society is, um, in German we say, sensibilisiert. Yeah, has been uh, desensitized or has been sensitized towards it. Has been sensitized mm. for all the problems. Um, and probably, probably more women are talking about that. But still, I think there is a lot going on and nobody knows about it. Mm, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot or, more to be done. Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a few weeks ago, I read, it, uh, I read um, something in the news and it says, we all know at least one woman that um, had like a bad experience with a man, but we don't know the men. We know the names of the women because you have a uh, you have female friends and you're talking about all these things but in public we don't talk about these men who are doing this mm. and that's interesting yeah it is um it's it, we kind of have a, like a victim culture don't we where we um highlight the the, the victims of these uh, you know barbaric uh, behavior mm -hmm. but we don't go looking for the the barbarian as it yes was. exactly yeah um yeah. listening on the bbc there was um there are some fantastic podcasts yeah, on, on the bbc and there's one about um uh, the, the slave trade and um, specifically in, in bristol where historians of the local schools completely changed their history curriculum because they wanted to express how much the slave trade um, had been uh, had touched the city and the mm -hmm. kinds of people that had been in involved there. Um, but they didn't want to only represent uh, the Africans as slaves. They didn't only want to represent them as, as uh, victims. They said a part of what they did was to give them a voice. And so mm -hmm. they, they had to seek out people of African heritage to ask them about their culture, how they saw things, what would be the way to represent their interests through history, of course. Um, sh should there perhaps be a similar exercise in where we we look at the women who have suffered abuse, but not treat them as, as victims, but listen to their voice as the English feminine term is heroin, um, mm. uh, as heroines, as it were, people who have survived. Mm -hmm. People who can set the example for how to get up and move forward. Is it perhaps not long overdue that, uh, as you say, we don't refer to them as victims, but we refer to them as a far more, uh, as a far stronger category of person? Mm -hmm. I would do both. I think it's important to recognize that someone has, uh, that to someone has happened something bad and to say, hey, you have suffered and you are a victim. I recognize that, that and I can see that, um, but on the other side, you have survived, hey, um, yeah, to um, not only to, uh, to put the label on victim, but also to give them a voice, as you said, to let them talk about it and um, to see how strong they are that they survived. Yeah. 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 And to I celebrate think both that is important. Yeah, and to encourage exactly. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this, um, and I would happily listen to your your input on this topic for many hours. But um, I'm hopeful that we will have more opportunities to talk about that. Uh, when we were talking, when we met for the first time in eight, nine, ten years, um, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, um, we also discovered that we have other similar interests, and one of them is uh, the climate. Mm-hmm. Um, how? Do you feel about the? We still don't know the new, the the complete agenda of the new um, mm. German government. Are you encouraged? Do you feel a bit more positive about the the new coalition? A bit, yes, to be honest, because um, the uh, the yeah the government before with the. Uh, CDU, CSU and SPD, there was no development into the future. Um, so we we have talked for so many years about the uh, Pariser Klimaabkommen and about all the climate conferences before. So we have known for, I think, for, um, for 40 years or so what's going on there with our climate and nothing has happened or like super small steps and um so now i i mean um one uh com- com- commentator one com- commentator yeah. commentator um on the news said that with this uh new co- co- coalition there will be a change that's for sure we will see um how it will i mean uh, in what direction it will go but there will be a change that's that's sure Mm. So um, maybe it won't be enough. Like so, I, I'm losing faith that it will be enough to um, prevent us from the worst that is coming, from the worst that is coming in the future. And we know what is coming. Um, there is like yeah a big catastrophe in front of us, and I think I'm not exaggerating because that is what experts tell tell us every day. Um, but most of the people uh, don't realize what's what's in front of us, and um, there is always this practical side of politics. So you need need to be practical, pragmatic. You can't change society overnight, the economy, and all the things. And so, yeah, I think this will be um, a practical, pragmatic uh, uh, approach. To prevent us from the yeah catastrophe. Mm. I mean, and to some in some small way connect the two topics that we've discussed mainly. Um, Greta Thunberg, a, a fantastic young woman, uh, an, an example of uh, a brave person who wants to take a step. Now she's obviously a very controversial character for some you know parts of society. Um, however, I, I have nothing but respect for, you know, a young people, be uh, young women who step up and um, put herself in front of the world and uh, say it's not enough. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? How afraid of her some very well established conservative politicians and groups are, um, mm. you know, all of these groups take a shot at Greta. Um, some silly people say she should be at school, she's only mm. a kid and so on. But this is just because they have nothing better to say to her. Yeah. Um, I mean, this Fridays for Future, does it inspire you to see, you know, Greta and uh, other young people really saying, no, we want something different. This is not right for our future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I admire her too. Um, and I think it's, it's amazing that she's, I mean, with Greta, we could see that one person can make a difference in the world, not only like uh, in Europe or I don't know, in a, in a small in a small circle, but in the world. I mean, and how often um, do people say, ah, I can't change anything. No, no, no. First of all, the others have to do something there. If I... Um, if I don't fly or if I stop eating meat or if I um, go to the elections, I won't change anything. But actually, yeah, one person can uh, can make a big difference. Um, and so, yeah, what what did I want to say? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
<laughs> no, but I mean, are you inspired by the the youth, uh, as it were, because you know they really oh. do want to change things, don't they? I don't know if I'm inspired because um, I thought that they, um, yeah, first I thought, wow, the youth really wants to change some, something and they go onto the street every Friday and they fight for their future. I mean, it's really their future, but um, yeah, they want to make a, a difference now and I think that's strong and great, but uh, when I saw that only 20% voted for the Green Party, in Germany um, and 20% also voted for the FDP and the FDP, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they want to prevent the, um, the, the, the uh, they want to preserve the, or yeah, the world as it is right now, the, our, our privileges, they want to preserve our privileges in Germany and to preserve our privileges and to save the future mm, doesn't, go that well together, I think. Mm. So there is one big group of young people that, and they want to, um, yeah, they want to save the planet, their future. And on the other hand, there is also quite a big group of young people that want to be able to live in their privileged world and to change. And that means that, that, that they don't want to change anything. Yeah, I mean, this target that the new coalition has set of, um, you know, sort of phasing out coal by 2030, one of the things that strikes me is exactly how beneficial is this going to be to the planet? Because my fear is that on the face of it in Germany or in the EU, uh, we stop using coal and we use, let's say, 100% or 90% renewable energy. But we source uh, technologies from other countries where they use coal. And in this way, we're saying, look, we're clean. It's not our fault. It's them. But the truth is, if it were not for our business, they wouldn't be doing that. So because it's a global mm -hmm. problem, it doesn't matter if I burn the coal or they burn the coal. The coal remains burnt and the CO2 floats up into the atmosphere. So um, is this perhaps something that will will also be considered, do you think, by the government or, or are they simply going to business as usual, as your fear is? Mm, I think they are considering it. And on the um, climate conference, World Climate Conference, like a, a few weeks ago, I think most of the um, governments or the, yeah, the participants um, agreed that the um, that they need to stop the coal industry besides India, I think, India, uh, Australia, and the US. I mean, um, the main, was yeah. it uh, India, I think, or India. China maybe, and, and, and uh, Australia, but I think yeah. also the US. I'm you not know, I sure. Think, I, I definitely I think, yeah, India, they said 2070. Uh, Australia wanted to change the wording, and I think also the uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, but I, I could be wrong on, or maybe Saudi Arabia, but um, yes, I think it's fair to say that's, you know, these countries were involved. Somewhere. Yeah, but the other countries, yeah, they agreed that they, are, they need to, um, yeah, stop the coal industry. And of course, I think that Germany as the fifth richest country in the world, they have to play uh, like, or they have to be a role model in this change. So if we don't say that we want to change something, even though if we don't change it in a global, in a global uh, sense, we won't change anything at all, sure. But still, we need to decide for us that uh, and to, yeah, to be the role model and then also all the other countries um, hopefully will follow. And we, uh, we always think, actually now I remember, we always think that Germany plays a, 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 a main role in the climate, uh, climate right. change the debate. But I read that there are so many other countries, smaller countries that are much more, uh, much more, um, developed in this uh, in this way, and that they have changed so many things, and that Germany is falling behind. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Scandinavian countries are among the best. Even the UK rated quite highly on the uh, index of companies or countries. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised. Mm. Even Great Britain. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Huh? And, yeah. Um, how have they manipulated that? Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but I mean, the scientists took all sorts of different uh, analyses into consideration. So it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, the USA also uh, came out very badly off in this particular list, as in they were in the, I think, the worst 10 of the top 61 yeah. uh, uh, countries. So, I mean, that's a very interesting uh, statistic to view. And this is despite the Biden uh, administration mm-hmm. being in place yeah. for you know, a considerable mm-hmm. period of time. So. You know, much change is yet to occur, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, for me, it's fascinating that um, when we're talking, you know, debating here in Germany, um, what needs to be done, um, people always say, yeah, but uh, the ch- first the Chinese have to change and the N- Indians have to change. But um, they are one of the main polluters, true, but the others are the US, for example, or Australia. And we never talk about the, um, the um, industrialized Western countries that need to change. We always talk about the yeah, emerging countries. First, they have to change. And then maybe uh, we will, maybe. And this is uh, yeah, interesting that we never talk about the US or Australia. Yeah, you're right. This um, this kind of hypocrisy is pretty consistent um, until they touch us, for example. Mm. You know, so um, I, I think recently there was a story about uh, France and Australia because France was going to supply mm. Australia with submarines, mm. and then the USA and the Brits came together secretly and mm. cut out the French, and the French were like, not happy mm-hmm. about that. Um, so only when their interests are affected. Do they mm-hmm. raise their voice of complaint? And, and, and I think, you know, a part of the argument that we've always said is there's only one planet. I mean, there are no sides. Yeah. There's one planet. There is no option at the moment anyway. Um, but yeah, for some reason, others don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Musk is working on a other option, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, I I think in the near future there will be another option somewhere there. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So we don't have to worry, you know. No, of course not. Well, I mean, we're worried in Berlin because he may be using our groundwater. But anyway, that's yeah. a different argument. Um, we'll have to consider that as well. The uh, the Tesla Gigafactory that they want to build. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All but right. in the past few days, it rained a lot, so I'm not worrying about that either. You know. <laughs> Okay, yeah, there is no climate change. Look, it's raining. No. Yeah. Um, I, 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 too negative, Zach, too negative. You're right, you're right. I do apologize. I have to get yeah. with it. And yeah. there will be a technology um, some someday in the future, so we just have to wait. All the problems will magically disappear with the right technology. This this is a very common theme. Uh, I'm happy you mention it because when I mean the in in the Brexit debate as well, it was a very prominent uh, argument that the technology will emerge to resolve all of these uh, trade issues and political problems. But five years after the referendum, um, we still have a problem with the Northern Ireland agreement and mm. how Northern Ireland is going to be affected by these two different trading areas. And the technology still doesn't exist. So if we're talking about a lack of technology to deal with how goods come into and out of Northern Ireland, I'd like to see how easy it is to address transporting a certain percentage of the human population to the moon or to Mars. Mm. Um, I think we need to, technology is cool, but we need to be a bit more realistic about the timetables. And technology is some is a nice to have on top. Yeah, but we need to do now something and not never. And technology will uh, will solve our, all our problems. That's, that's nonsense. Mm, yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm... Yeah, we've already got to that stage. It's an hour, um, Christy, and it's flown by. Um, mm-hmm. And 
yeah I, I, there's so much here. i've got i don't know how many questions here which i'd love to ask you but I, I can't put them to you now um but i would ask that i know you're an extremely busy person but at some point in the future perhaps early 2022 would you be willing to come back and talk with me again about some of these questions Yes, I wonderful. would love to. What? <laughs> wonderful. Um, yeah, thank you very much. It's recorded, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it now. It's done. That's it. Um, that's why That's why I asked you now before I stopped recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for, you know, for your time and for your wonderful input and your thoughts. Um, and... Yeah, what can I say? I wish you all the best for the uh, the concluding part of 2021. Yeah, thank you, Zach. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. And I also wish you all the best and looking forward to our next podcast. Two and a mic. Two, two, two.